Welcome everyone to the King Truth Podcast. This is your host, King Truth. And tonight is a very special episode. I have a guest who will be joining me, the host of the Queen's Table, Miss Marissa J. I hope you enjoy. Welcome everyone to another episode of King Truth Podcast. This is your host, King Truth. And I have a special guest here with me today to record. Miss Marissa J of the Queen's Table Podcast. Say hello. Hello, everybody. So we decided to collab on this episode to talk about what's been in the news this past week. Um, And we're just going to jump right into it. So the first topic that we're going to speak on is the whole issue with ASAP Rocky overseas. And I'm going to let Marissa take over from here. Well, okay, so the whole situation with ASAP Rocky, he got into a fight in Sweden. The cops busted it up, took him to jail. Now he's sitting in jail. Okay, that's the Cliff's Notes version of it. Sweden has has one of the top-rated prison systems in the world. Okay, they have HBO in their cells. So when, when ASAP comes out and says things like, um, you know, he's being mistreated there or, you know, when it comes out that he's, he only ate an apple a day for the first five days because the food was just unedible. Yeah, it, it doesn't make me feel sorry for him at all. And especially with all of the things that he said uh, in the past about Ferguson, he said, um, I don't live, I live in Soho. I don't live in that area. Uh, so that doesn't really affect me. Um, ask me about women, ask me about drugs, ask me about fashion. That's what I'm passionate about. And this is a direct quote from him. So, I mean, I can't feel all that sorry about ASAP Rocky and his position because it's not, it's, it, people have rated that prison that he is in as a three-star hotel. Like, it's not that bad where he's at. Now, I understand that nobody wants to be in prison no matter how good or bad it is. Nobody wants to be there. But at the same time, he's, it's it's being uh, presented as though he's he's in the in in what is it? Hell. Hell. <laughs> and so I, I I don't feel sorry for him. But the uh, situation that's going on right now with uh, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, they both went to um, Donald Trump to try and free him. Uh, free ASAP Rocky out of out of this three star hotel prison. So it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter whether or not you know um, Donald Trump gets him out. The fact is, is that I think Kanye is playing up Donald Trump so that way he can try and help out. Uh, help the black community in his own kind of way. That whole, what is it called? I forgot the name of it. Um, um, I'm drawing a blank here. I have no idea where you're going right now. <laughs> where they, they uh, Donald Trump passed a bill that frees. Oh, the, the first step yes. um, criminal justice reform bill? Yes. That, that he did not pass. That was Cory Booker's baby. 
He just well, signed off on it. True, true. Okay, I'm I'm not gonna take that away from Corey. I'm not taking nothing away from Corey, but he signed off on the bill, and um, uh, the uh, a major pivotal uh, role that was played in the signage of that bill was by Kanye West whenever he came to the White House and everybody was calling him crazy and stuff. You know, he made that happen. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, saying, putting it off on Kim. Oh, she's, you know, um, um, taking credit for the the work that uh, actual black people have done to try and get this bill, this specific bill passed or bills very similar to this past and she's taking credit for it. She's not taking any credit for it at all. I don't think that it, it's her really. I think she's there because she's eye candy to Donald Trump and Kanye West has the entertainment power where Donald Trump has the political power. And I think that I want to at least believe that he is, is not just pandering to uh, uh, the Republican base, but he's using what he has and she's using her white privilege in the way that it needs to be had. Because without Kim Kardashian, I really don't think that Donald Trump would have given Kanye West the time of day at all. So I think that with them two together, they're using what influences that they have hold in order to do better things for the black community. And even though it's not, if that's the case, it's not something that's being talked about. All that's being talked about is, is uh, Kanye West being a, <laughs> a mixer of that. Well, uh-huh. with the ASAP with Rocky thing, I actually know about the ASAP Rocky thing. It was the Kim Kardashian and the Kanye West thing that I didn't know much about. Um, I saw the video. ASAP Rocky was not, he didn't fight anybody. It was his entourage. But at the same time, when you watch the video, you can hear them telling the man over and over again, leave us alone, stop following us, go your own way. And you can see that that person just wanted to instigate something to the point to where he actually threw something at one of ASAP Rocky's bodyguards. And they still were like, leave us alone, stop following us yada yada and then it turned into a brawl and ASAP Rocky was the one who went to the police station gave them the video and said this guy was harassing us and this fight broke out they arrested ASAP Rocky and I think that's more on him being an entertainer and not so much on him um, being involved uh now, with the Kanye West and the Donald Trump thing, I kind of look at it a different way. It's not so much Kanye pandering to Donald Trump. It's more of Donald Trump using Kanye and Kim Kardashian. And the reason why I say that is he wants so bad to be like Barack Obama. And what two entertainers did he have in his corner as president? I'm talking about Barack Obama. Jay-Z and Beyonce. and Beyonce. So Donald Trump now has Kanye West, Kim Kardashian. So now I can be like President Obama. I have celebrities that like me too. Um, and I think Kanye, Kanye is smarter than 
what he has shown these past couple of years because he has been out there for a minute especially since his mom died but I think him and Kim are using the fact that he wants to be like President Obama and have those celebrities that follow him around so much that they can use it to their advantage so that's how they're using it to get ASAP Rocky the help that he you know get him out because ASAP Rocky technically is an innocent man who's sitting in prison for something that he didn't do. Mm-hmm. His entourage did. Mm-hmm. But they're not in jail. He is. Mm-hmm. Um, also with Kim Kardashian helping to get the lady that was sentenced to like life um, with drugs. Uh, she used that, not so much her white privilege, just the, just the ego of Donald Trump. They're using his ego against him. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? So like he, I was talking to um, a buddy of mine not too long ago and I was like, Donald Trump wants to be like President Obama so bad. That's why he's trying to erase him from history. Donald Trump goes to England and there's protests. There's a baby Trump blood. <laughs> you know, Obama goes to England, there's millions of people in the streets cheering for him. When Donald Trump was in England and those protests were going on, at the same time the NBA playoffs was going on, Obama's in Toronto watching the game and he gets a 10 minute ovation, standing <laughs> ovation in Toronto. Right, right. So, it's more of I have Kim and Kanye on my side. They're not following Obama. They're following me. When really, they're not really following you. They're manipulating you. And your need for clout. (laughs) To get what we want. So that's how I see the Kim-Kanye-Trump relationship. So, and another thing that a lot of people don't know is Kim Kardashian is actually Armenian. Right. She's, she is. She's not really, I mean, yes, she looks white, but she's really Armenian. Mm-hmm. So, which is not, which is not white. So. Yeah. But I mean, still though, there's a lot of people like you've got, you know, um, and I hate to play into the whole colorism thing, but you've got lighter skin, blonde hair, blue eyed Mexican people that can, you know, um, um, go through life as as a white person and be able to capitalize on that white privilege even though they're not white so i i, I really don't think though that um you know that matters too awful much to kim kardashian i mean especially with the whole injections and body manipulations and all of that i really don't think that she cares what people see her as but as far as uh asap rocky and his whole situation you know that's really unfortunate that you know he's he's another black man that's being wrongfully in prison however you know he wasn't caring nothing about that before you know so a lot of people have already canceled him in their book he's already been canceled so there's not that's why there's not so too many people standing up for him well at the same time i'm gonna play devil's advocate here there are, there were a lot of people that didn't jump on the Ferguson 
train. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw a cop kill a young black man who's unarmed. And you have some people out there that, that aren't going to immediately jump to, oh, he killed an unarmed, an unarmed kid. But you have those out there that are like, okay, I want to hear all facts from both sides. I don't want to hear no spin. I don't want to hear this side saying, you know, he had his hands up. I don't want to hear this side saying, well, he tried to take the cop's gun. I want to hear straight facts down the middle before I pass any judgment on what happened. I'm not saying that that's the direction that ASAP Rocky went. But I'm saying there were people that did that. Mm-hmm. So, and that's that's more than okay. But he, that wasn't his only um, uh, transgression with the black community that he's made. You know, he make these snide comments: black women shouldn't wear, dark-skinned women shouldn't wear uh, red lipstick, and just all this petty stuff that that's directed towards the the black community. That we just kind of like, you know what? We're done. Like, wash my hands of you. We're done. Well, it's not so much towards the black community. If you look at the history of just black people in general, if we go back to slavery, it wasn't, it's more on, it's more colorism. So the light-skinned slave had better living quarters, ate better food, didn't have to work in the fields but the darker slave had to. And then that caused resentment between the two. And not to mention that, you know, darker skin, you know, the the field slaves were looking at house slaves, like we want to switch positions. At the same time, house slaves are like, yeah, but you're not getting raped every day. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be out there. I want to be where you're at, you know? They leave you alone out there. Yeah, so like we we read this this story in class in in one of my um, African American literature classes. I cannot remember the name of the story. I will find it, but it was the guy in the oh, it was um, the Brown Bag Society. That was the name of the club he was in. Mm. If you were darker than a brown bag, you couldn't be in the club. Mm-hmm. Well, he was a former slave. He ended up marrying a woman who was pretty light-skinned. She was a little lighter than a brown bag. So she was in the society, boom. This dark-skinned woman comes to the house where the club is, knocks on the door, and she asks for him specifically. What it turned out was that was his wife on the plantation. So he was married to a dark-skinned woman on the plantation. Once slavery ended, well, he was sold. Then slavery ended, and he ended up marrying a light-skinned woman while still married to the dark-skinned woman. Mm. But he never mentioned the dark-skinned woman because he fit into the light-skinned class. And once he admitted, because him and her had a conversation in private, he came out, told the people, hey, this is my wife. She is a dark-skinned woman. And he got kicked out because light skin isn't supposed to associate with dark skin. That was a story. But what I'm getting to is there's always been that 
um, colorism between the light skins and the dark skins. That's why you have in Jamaica dark skinned people bleaching their skin. Yeah. Trying to become lighter so they can fit in. Um, but it's not just in Jamaica, it's in Africa, it's in the Dominican Republic. It's in how many how many of y'all have seen a picture of Sammy Sosa lately? The man looks like a ghost. We laughed at Michael Jackson because we thought Michael Jackson bleached his skin. And Michael Jackson actually had a skin disease. Sammy Sosa does not. And he is whiter than a piece of paper. That's how much he's bleached his skin. Uh, all so he can fit into a certain class and not be looked a certain way. So with the ASAP Rocky thing, talking about how dark women shouldn't wear red lipstick, it's nothing, it's not that he's against the black community. He is pretty much saying something towards dark skinned women because his preference is light to lighter skinned women. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So either way it goes, I'm all, pretty much all black women have canceled him, so <laughs> he's on his own. <laughs> I mean, even lighter skinned black women too, because they're just like, you know, in in the eyes of everybody else, we're all black. It doesn't matter if you're lighter or darker, we are all black and everyone else can see that we're the only ones. Well not we're not the only ones, but we divide ourselves. In, in these classes and when on the outside well no no, no I get what you're I, I, no. we don't do it we play into what was no, done it's not so much that we're playing into it we were programmed programmed yes okay so if you I don't know if a lot of y'all have read the Willie Lynch letter this was one of the things that he suggested in order to control a slave you pit the male slave versus the female slave. The female slave versus the male slave. Cause distrust between the two and have them trust you more. This is what he was saying to the slave owners. Have the young slave distrust the old slave. The old slave distrust the young slave. The light-skinned slave against the dark-skinned slave. The, uh, the dark-skinned slave against the light-skinned slave. Have them have this distrust and inner fight between themselves and show them that they can trust you more. Uh, David Banner, I was uh, watching the interview he did and he put it like this. So we all agree, right, that the CPU in a computer was designed to look like a human brain. This is supposed to work like a human brain, correct? Right, right. So, if a computer programmer goes in, uploads a virus into that computer, and then the computer goes haywire, do you blame the computer, or do you blame the computer programmer? Blame the programmer. And that's exactly what happened to us in slavery. We were the computer, the slave owners were the, the computer programmers. We were, a virus was uploaded into us and now we're acting out on that virus and yet we're being blamed for it when nobody has 
took that virus from us. Gotcha. So okay. that's that whole thing. That which makes sense. Yeah. Which makes sense. So another thing that was in the news, and I'm pretty sure everybody has seen it, read it, had commented on it. The squad. We mm-hmm. talked about the squad. <laughs> um, Donald Trump posted a tweet on Sunday telling the squad, and if you don't know who the squad is, it is um, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar who is a Somali refugee and a U.S. citizen. Congresswoman um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is was born in the Bronx, is a U.S. citizen and is of Puerto Rican descent, which is a U.S. territory. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, Congresswoman Tlaib, who is a Palestinian descent, but was born in... The United States in Minnesota, I believe. And then I think she was raised in Ohio. No, she was raised in um, Detroit. Okay. Okay. And then um, third generation. Third yeah. Generation. And then the fourth one of the squad is Congresswoman um, Elena. Is it Elena? Are you talking about Friesland? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She was I born. Forget. She was. She's of African-American descent, born in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Descendant of slaves. Yes. And Donald Trump decided to tweet out that they hate America. And because they hate America, they should go back to the country they came from, make that place better, and then come back and show us how, how it's done. How it's done. Mm-hmm. Um now, if three of them were born in the United States, then technically they're doing exactly what, mm-hmm. <laughs> what he told them to do mm-hmm. because they're in their country trying to fix this broken fix, system. Right. And then uh, Ilhan Omar is a U.S. citizen, been a U.S. citizen since 2000. So she's been a citizen for 19 years. Mm-hmm. Guess how long Melania Trump has been a citizen? Six years. <laughs> Ilhan Omar has been a citizen longer than Trump's wife. More than twice as long. So it's this is one of those racist statements that has been used for many years, and it's not just been used towards black people. They told Jews to go back home. They told the Irish to go back home. They told Germans to go back home. They told Mexicans to go back home. If you're not uh, a pure white descendant of America, they would tell you to go back home. Um, And what this this leads into the other topic that we're going to talk about, which is the the climate of the 2020 presidential election this is a resemblance of the 1968 presidential campaign okay okay so the whole thing with that was you either love it or leave it if you love america you stay if you hate america get out that was the thing but the reason why i say it's like the 1968 uh, presidential campaign is because of one candidate and Trump 
is exactly like this one candidate. So in 68, George Wallace ran for president. And if you don't know who George Wallace is, he is the man who stood on the Capitol steps in Montgomery as governor of Alabama and said, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. So his run in 68, what he did was he was pitting all he worried about was the southern state care less about any other state. He just wanted to win. Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, uh, Louisiana, Florida, and I want to say Kentucky. He just focused on the southern states. He had a southern state strategy. And what he did in those states is the same thing that Donald Trump is doing right now with the squad in Congress and with immigrants who are seeking asylum. The other people are coming to take what you have. They're taking what belongs to us. George Wallace's campaign motto was, it was not make America great again. It was stand up for America. Yes. And he went in, not only did he go into the South, but he actually won states that were in the industrial Midwest. So it's not a new phenomenon that jobs were leaving the Midwest like it just happened when Trump ran for president. No, this has been going on for a minute. Factories were leaving the Midwest, going to different countries, different places, and people were losing their jobs. But what George Wallace did was he went into those areas and said, you see there, those Negroes over there are taking your job and you're out here struggling and you're poor. We need to stop it. The, the other people are destroying us. This is our country. Well, what Donald Trump is doing is the same thing when it comes to immigrants and with the squad. When he talks about immigrants, what does he say? They're coming here to take your job and mooch off of the country, mooch off of the government, mooch off of white people. When he talks about the squad who are four women of color, they hate America. And if they don't love America like we do, like us white people, us good white people do, they can leave. So, if you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. And what people don't realize is, this is a replay of the 1968 campaign. What do you think on that? I I agree. I'd have to agree with that. Um, and, and, you know, Donald Trump is adding in a flair of fear mongering. Oh, they're going to rape you too. You know, they're, they're going to kill you too. MS-13, ooh. You know, it, it, he, he does these scare tactics. Like, how many times has there been a, a, a caravan coming our way? <laughs> you know? And then what happens? They disappear. Nobody knows what happens to them. And they've got all different kinds. They've got the Taliban coming into the caravan as well. So he's using, he's adding a dash of fear mongering into all of this. 
and people are eating it up. People are absolutely eating it up. And I'm like, I don't understand, especially in, in, in 2019, when everyone has a cell phone or, or some kind of way to look this stuff up. And there's more news outlets than Fox News, but nobody wants to get out of that little bubble. You know, nobody, even, I'm not even saying watch MSNBC. There's the BBC. There are other news outlets out there that you can look into that don't have a dog in this fight. And, yep. you know, we're we're being laughed at. We're the laughing stock of the world right now. But nobody wants to say, well, I don't want to say nobody. White Anglo-Saxon Protestants, wasps, they don't want to see the fact that that uh, we're losing to the outside, to the rest of the world, we're losing. But in their minds, because Donald Trump says we're winning, we're winning, we gotta be winning because he doesn't lie, right? Even though there's an entire website devoted to fact-checking him, Nobody, they don't want to look into it. And it's a, it's a really sad thing, but I, I 100% do agree that that's exactly what he's doing. And another, and it's eerie how similar Donald Trump is to George Wallace. Here's one example. In 1958, George Wallace ran for governor of Alabama and he lost. He lost that election. And the reason why he lost that election is because he was tolerant towards race. He had come out at that time with the mindset of being a segregationist. He felt, I'm not going to say that he felt that black people should have the same rights, but he wasn't as aggressive. You know, back then you had some that they were neither for nor against integration. They were just in the middle. Well, that's where George Wallace was. And he was a Democrat in 58. After losing that election, he was like, you know what? I'm not gonna lose that again. I am going to win the next election. 1962, runs for governor again. He wins, and in 63, he gives his inaugural speech on the Capitol is when he gives, when he says, Segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. He embraced the radical white wing of politics in order to get himself elected in Alabama. Fast forward, Donald Trump ran for president in 2012. A lot of people forget that he ran for president in 2012. That's because he didn't even make it to the first debate. And why he failed in 2012 is his rhetoric then was not what his rhetoric is now. He was more, I'm not going to say moderate, but he was um, more tolerable. Like if he would have won in 2012, which I'm glad he didn't, I would have accepted that Trump over this Trump. He, loops, he drops out in 2012, and then that's when he starts ratcheting up his rhetoric to appeal to a certain group of people, the radical white wing of the Republican Party. Comes down the escalator, 
declares Mexicans rapists. They're coming to take your jobs. They're coming to. They're gonna kill your wife, kill your kids. <laughs> and the radical white wing ate it up, and it got him elected. The same way they did with George Wallace. The same thing they did with Donald Trump. Donald Trump talks about how big his crowd is and how everybody loves him. George Wallace did the same thing in 1968. His crowd is huge. Really, they weren't that big. And if you look at how he talks about the media, Forgive me, my computer's dying. <laughs> if you um, listen to how he talks about the media, George Wallace in 1968 went after the New York Times. Said that the New York Times wrote bad articles about him. They fixed the polls to where he's gonna lose. They don't know. Pretty much saying that the, the New York Times was fake news. Fast forward to 2016. Donald Trump goes after the failing Times. Calls them fake news. They don't write good stories about them. So Donald Trump is using the exact same playbook that George Wallace used. And on top of that, he's adding in a contingency for if he does lose the election well it's all rigged it's all rigged it's all rigged he keeps repeating that so that way if he actually does lose oh it's a rigged election bill maher has said several times before that he doesn't believe that donald trump is going to leave the office willingly and i know you and i have spoken about this a couple of times i still kind of feel like he's not gonna leave and i understand like yes there's there, he will be forcibly removed. But by who? He fires everybody that he doesn't like and hires everyone that he loves. Well, here's how he will be removed. After the election, he has between November, I think it falls on the 8th this year, the 7th, the it's the first Tuesday of November of but he has from election day to January 20th. That's all the time he has. On January 20th, the new administration takes over. Not his administration. They're done. So the new administration, if he tries to remain in office, the new administration at that point, because he's not president, can have him arrested for trespassing. Do you think they'll actually do it, though? I tell you one person I know would do it. I know who you're going to say. Kamala, Kamala Harris. Harris. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Kamala Harris. She would. She'd she kick would. him out. She'd kick him out. She was, she was no eviction letter, no 30 days to vacate. You gotta yeah. go. Like, yeah. she would be... This is, this is how I see if Kamala Harris was elected president. She goes to the White House because you know you have that moment where the former president is meeting the new president and they're introducing the families. And if Trump decided to act a butt, <laughs> you would see on camera 
Kamala Harris mouthing something in Trump's ear. <laughs> and it would be something like, if you don't get the out of my house, <laughs> I will have you removed. Because, I mean, he's got to go. I don't, right now, I honestly can care less who the Democratic candidate is. Long as they can put this dude out of our misery. I mean, to be completely honest with you, I'd vote for a, a, a well, I wouldn't. But if it came down to another Republican, like anything to get him out, anything, anything I mean, to get him out. Because with the candidates that we have now, which Tuesday night, Wednesday night is the debate, mm-hmm. so. Watch party. Yeah, we're doing a watch party on Facebook, and we'll be talking about it. But with the candidates that we have right now, me personally, I see it as a five-person race, and that is Bernie Sanders, and this is not in a particular order, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, and Pete Buttigieg. That's it. Candidate. He's gonna he's gonna drop out. He's gonna drop out. I didn't say that he wasn't gonna drop out. I'm just saying he's in the top five with the candidates. Mm-hmm. If you if you look at the, the latest polls, mm-hmm. it's Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, then Pete Buttigieg, and right behind him is Beto O'Rourke. Beto did so good. He did well. Beto, okay, here's here's why Beto did good. Beto was fighting at the kids' table. (laughs) And I say that because if you look at the roster that MSNBC had, when it came to their that first night debate, you had Elizabeth Warren, and then you had Cory Booker, Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> Who can name the rest of the people on that stage? Not me. Exactly. Not me. But if you look at the second night, you knew you had Bernie and Joe in the middle, Pete Buttigieg on the side of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris on the side of Bernie Sanders, you had Kirsten Gillibrand, you had Eric Swalwell, who who recently dropped out. You had Andrew Yang. You had the hippie, Miriam, whatever her name is. Yeah, she needed to Um, Because Trump would eat her alive. He would. I'm sorry. He would. I'm sorry. I, I know she's coming from a good place. No, she ain't. But... If she was really trying to get him out of the... If no, she was really no, trying to I'm help saying, us out, she would dip out right here, no, right now. But what I'm saying is I know she's coming from a good place because she's, she speaks love. And I mean, I've heard her talk. I've seen some of her speeches that she's given. And that's what she's about. She's about... But she needs to understand and read the climate. The climate right now is not about love. Get out. Understand that. But what I'm saying is, I get where she's coming from, but that's not now. That love is not now. No. 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 Love was when we had Obama. Yes. Yes. This is not love. This is not love. Obama was sunshine and maybe some rainy days in April, Mm -hmm. but it felt good. Mm -hmm. 
now it's just dark clouds every day. No, it's a tsunami every day. This is just, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. But let me take a quick rewind and talk about Swalwell real quick. Because what was, I can't remember. Oh Lord, he stood up. Oh, apparently no one in Congress can call the uh, United States president a racist on the floor. And he stood up and he was like, you the racist, you the racist, you super, super racist. <laughs> he went ham. And then he, when, when he was being stopped, uh, someone was trying to stop him. And he just looked over and it, like, he went straight OG on everybody. Like, what are you going to do? What are, he is, what I understand, he's got that freshly, I just quit my job kind of stink on him. He's just, you know, when you just quit your job and you're throwing burgers and fries everywhere and you're F you, F you, you cool, F you, you know? And then that's what he's got, that, that type of swagger. A lot of people are wanting him to come back in. I don't, I'm not one of them, but I'm glad that he does have that type of swag because that can take him really far in whatever endeavors he's planning on, on entering from that here on out. I but, agree, yes. I agree. So on Tuesday night, which is the 30th, that's the first night of the debate on CNN. Um, like I said, we're having a Facebook watch party We'll be giving our commentary as everything goes on. The last one was actually pretty interesting. That's why we, yeah. that's why we're doing this again. But this is the lineup for night. You have Miriam Williamson, Tim Ryan, Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, John Hickenlooper, John Delaney, and Steve Bullock. Now, I don't know anything about Bullock. I think he just got in. Um, here's who I think, here's what I think is gonna happen. Hickenlooper is gonna come after Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren about the Medicare fraud. Um, I wanna see if Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren's friendship makes it through this debate. Because they're best friends. They, they basically have the same policies. Where Bernie is going to have an issue, and this is why Elizabeth Warren is beating him in the polls. Bernie sucks with black voters. He does. He does. And what started it, but in 2016, he was terrible with black voters. He could not siphon black voters away from Hillary Clinton. And the reason why I see he is having that issue is he's living so far in the past. Anytime they bring up anything racial, he wants to take it back to, well, I marched with Martin Luther King, which is fine, that's cool, but what's that gonna do for us today? Um, also, whenever they bring up anything like well, what is your like? He was on the Breakfast Club and was asked by Charlemagne what his black agenda was. And whenever he's asked about a black agenda, 
he talks about the poor working people. Well, that's not necessarily saying the black community because you have poor working whites, you have poor working Hispanics, you have poor working Asians, you have poor working everybody. So when we specifically ask, what is your black agenda? We want to know what is your black agenda? Elizabeth Warren has a black agenda. And she, every day it's like she's coming out with a different policy that she's trying to do. That's the one thing I like about Elizabeth Warren. She knows what she wants and she's going to let you know, like, this is what we're doing. This is how it's going to help you. So forth and so on. But, but what I'm, what I'm saying is when she's asked about a black agenda, she has a black agenda. When Bernie Sanders is asked about a black agenda, he doesn't have a black agenda. He dodges the question. Exactly. Which, he is in the same boat as Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg is polling at 0% among black voters. This is my thing about Pete. And I believe he should drop out, like, immediately. If you don't have the support of the black people in your own city, what makes you think the black people outside of your city is going to like you? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if you go to South Bend and you talk to the the black residents in South Bend, they will tell you, we do not trust that man. We don't like him. And then what did you see when he went back and he did the march for that um, for the unarmed guy that was killed? And a black lady was like, you're just here for publicity to get votes and he was like I'm not here to get your vote I don't have to pander for your vote I don't need your vote she's like fine I'm not voting for you anyway and he said that to a black woman that's a constituent in your own city who is a voter you just pushed a voter away who says that like I don't care I don't even want your vote anyway Come on, dude. And Beto, he just feels entitled. See, some of these candidates aren't presidential candidates. Wait, talk to me about Beto. So, Beto O'Rourke is... When people talk about panderers, Beto O'Rourke grew up in El Paso. Yes, Beto can speak. But he's not, he's not really Hispanic. No. Yeah. He's a white guy. And the, the Hispanic people in El Paso is the one who gave him the name Beto. His parents didn't give him that. No. His name is Robert. Oh. Yeah. That came out in, I didn't uh, know that. yeah, that came out during the old, um, the campaign against Ted Cruz. Because Ted Cruz called him out on it. He's like, you're trying to be Hispanic by changing your name to Beto when your name is Robert. Oh, snap. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But Beto was also in the House of Representatives. 
Now, he should have beat Ted Cruz. He should have. He only lost, well, he lost, I think, about two points. But he came pretty darn close for a Democrat in Texas. And the way I see it with Beto, he shouldn't have ran for president. You're running for president after you lost an election for Senate. <laughs> does not have a chance, a bleeding heart chance of becoming president, is considering running for Senate. Pete Buttigieg may not be presidential. He may be more of a senator. Get in there, work as a senator. But I mean, he did a terrible job as a mayor. So... <laughs> he needs to take a step down. <laughs> you know, like... He needs to be a principal. Somewhere. Amy Klobuchar and Kirsten Gillibrand. Stop running. Protect your seat in the Senate. Cory Booker, I understand you're probably going to be a vice presidential candidate. I'm just going to put that out there. If Kamala Harris gets the candidacy, you're going to be her vice president. Really? Oh, yeah. They're going to do all the like You think so? Oh, yeah. And you know why? Just to piss Trump off. Because here's, here's what's going to happen. And this is what I want. I like Joe... Kinda. But I think Joe could beat Trump. I think Bernie could beat Trump. I think Elizabeth Warren could beat Trump. The reason why I want Kamala Harris is now Donald Trump has to stand on the stage with the two things that he does not like. He hates women and he hates colored women. So you put him on the stage with a Kamala Harris who is a woman of color is going to bring to light in front of the TV who Donald Trump really is. I mean, because right now you're just getting it in tweets and then people are trying to decipher what his tweets mean. But you get him on TV and he said, because, yeah, Crooked Hillary. But if you listen to how he talks about black women, No, Kamala Harris can dissect a person easily. Prime example, Joe Biden. <laughs> she bodied him. I cannot stop talking about that. She straight bodied him. But you don't think that Joe's going to come back with something? Right now we're talking about Kamala okay. against okay. Okay. We'll okay. get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. Okay. But like, what she did to Joe Biden... If I like watching battle rap, I love watching battle rap. <laughs> and whenever like that one rapper drops that one bar, that's like, mm-hmm. man, you just died. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like yeah. I was watching because I watched like the greatest of the uh, the greatest bars of all time, and it was um, Sue Surf versus Hitman Hop. 
And <laughs> Sue Surf was like, because Hitman Holler played basketball growing up. He, 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 they always get on Hitman saying he's a gangster. And they're like, you weren't a gangster. You, lived, you grew up in a two-parent household playing basketball. So Sue Surf was like, I bet your mama was in the stand. Uh, fresh signs. No, he said, I bet your mama was in the sand, in the stand, cardboard cutout, fresh sign. My mama was in pain. Wanna speak to the inmate, press nine. I was like, ooh, that's what Kamala did to Joe Biden. And then you put her on the stage with an idiot who can't form a sentence correctly. She is going to dissect him. We will we will be witnessing a murder on TV. (laughs) A live murder on television. (laughs) And we will all be witnesses to it and the police will have to question us all. Slaughtered. I'm just saying like because if you look at everybody, when she does the um, the committee, when she's on her on the judicial committee, she's asking questions. She don't just ask questions to make herself look good. She asks questions to make you look bad. Yeah. So like when she was questioning the Attorney General Barr, she was like, "Has the Trump administration or anybody in the White House ever asked you?" To investigate any American in the country. And Barr could not answer the question. He was like, I, I'm confused with the word suggested. <laughs> suggested means asked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, how hard is that? You know? And that's what she would do to Donald Trump. And He's not going to be able to handle that. He's going to get real flustered. He's going to get real angry. And then, bam. He's going to say something that he ain't got no business saying. And it'll be a wrap. I think he'll, he'll find a way to dodge the debate. If he, if he dodges the debate, he's a coward and should not be we all know that. Now, I know that part, I mean, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, that's night one. Night two is the heavyweight battle that everybody's ready for. So, night two on the 31st is Michael Bennett, Kirsten Gillibrand, Julio Castro, Cory Booker, Joe Biden. I didn't know he was a junior. Joe Biden. Name is Joseph R. Biden Jr. Kamala Harris, Andrew Yang, Tulsi Gabbard, Jay Inslee, and Bill de Blasio. Nobody could care less about anybody else on that stage. Everybody just wants to know <laughs> what's going to happen with Kamala and Joe. Yeah, yeah, basically. But night two is going to feature a surprise person in this debate. 
Bouillon Cash. Okay, see, because you remember, I've been saying I liked him. Him and Andrew James. I liked the both of them. Now, I know you know, I know how you feel about Andrew. But both of them I like. Castro, kind of flawed. In my opinion, he kind of, I mean, he was too quiet. No, you talking about Yang. You talking about Yang, because Castro killed Night One. Okay, here's what it happened. I got distracted by my kids on Night One. Night two is what I watched the whole, and yeah, Andrew, he had one or two good things to say, and he was quiet, but I didn't see Castro in night one. Castro so. killed night one. Okay, that was my fault. Andrew Yang, they showed the stats of how much time he spoke in that debate. Now, mind you, this is a two-hour debate. He spoke for two minutes and 36 seconds. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Now, he claims... That they cut his mic off. <laughs> really, dude? How they gonna take just your mic off? Just your mic? Literally everyone was talking over you. If they needed to cut somebody's mic off, it was Eric Swalwell. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Him and Michael Ben. Them two. My, you see, what Michael Bennett, but his thing is he's running off of that one viral moment that he had on the Senate floor when he went after Ted Cruz. That's the only time he's really said anything in the Senate. But he went on this rant and people were like, yeah, that's how he taken Ted Cruz. I mean, he went viral and now you're in a prison. Come on, dude. We can see you on TV until you're uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is not for you. Not at all. But I'm interested in four people mm -hmm. on night two. And that's Julian Castro, Cory Booker, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Yeah. Tulsi Gabbard's going to try to get in there and go after Kamala Harris about her record. Um, Joe Biden, they're going to, he's going to try to go after Kamala Harris about her record. Um, but see, here's the thing. He's gonna lose on that one. Here's the thing. So, everybody talks about how Kamala Harris locked up black men. Young black men separating them from their families as a prosecutor in California. And she did. She did lock up. for the 1994 crime bill that stated you had to have mandatory minimums, mm -hmm. you had the three strike rule, mm -hmm. then Kamala Harris wouldn't have been locking up black men at the rate that she was locking them up in. So technically, she was forced to do a job by a candidate named Joe Biden. Yes. It's your fault. And people, people forget that. And then don't forget Joe Biden wasn't the only candidate that's in this field that voted for the 94 crime bill. Bernie Sanders voted for it, too. Didn't he, didn't he have Biden? No, Joe Biden wrote it. Okay. Joe 
Biden wrote it and Sanders, Sanders signed and voted on the bill. Now Sanders will spin it and said the only reason I voted for the bill is because there was something in the bill that I wanted. So in order to get what I wanted, I had to vote for the bill. My thing is, if you think the bill is bad, even if there is something in there that you want, don't vote for the bill because the bill is called a crime bill. So it's going to focus on the crime. So you're going to come after Kamala Harris about her record against locking up black men. Don't forget, it all started with Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden voting for the 94 crime bill. Yep. So. Yeah. I mean, everybody has a record. Like, the thing that I like about Cory Booker is, even though he comes across like he's not real, Cory Booker is pretty real. Cory Booker has lived in the same impoverished neighborhood in Newark, New Jersey for the last 20 years. He don't live in a big house. He lives, I mean, I know it's going to sound bad, but he lives among the poor. got there, they got everybody out of the house, but they left one person. They couldn't find them. And Cory Booker runs into the house, into the apartment building, finds the person, and saves their life in his community. So that's the one thing I like about Cory Booker is he actually lives what he's fighting for. And you know what? I used to hate on him because of that. I used to be like, didn't nobody tell him that he had to stay there? Didn't nobody tell him that he couldn't build a house on the corner? And you know, like, didn't nobody say he had to do any of that? I used to hate on him pretty hard because of that. called the next Barack Obama. Mm. Everybody was comparing him to Barack Obama. Mm. And if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have the first step bill. And like he said, it is just a first step. He's working on numerous criminal justice reform bills as we speak. Him and Kamala Harris. What a lot of people don't know is Kamala Harris got a bill passed in the Senate. They're waiting for the House to vote on it, but it was Senate back in January. They've been trying for a hundred years to 
get this bill passed. And Kamala Harris was able to get this bill passed. It's an anti-lynching bill. She got an anti-lynching bill through the Senate. Voted on unanimously. Yeah, I, I, I was Which is sad. That's a super sad thing. That it that took a hundred years. Yeah. For an anti-lynching bill to make it through the Senate. Yeah. And the House still hasn't voted on it yet. <laughs> so. <laughs> like, what's the holdup? You have to think. What is the holdup? You know, what the 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 main issue that I have with with the way our system is right now, it's not just Donald Trump. It's the entire system as a whole. It is broken. You know, one major example, we, we cannot keep our laws up to date with technology, right? Okay, that's a major problem in and of itself. But you also have, you know, issues with healthcare, issues with gentrification, issues with everything that we're going Something that hasn't ever been done before, and like we, I can get into that on another episode because that's a, I don't, I don't know how long we've been running now. We're in about an hour now. Yeah, okay. That and that would that that by itself would be another hour or two, but. Basically, what I'm just trying to say is we need a new system because this is broken. We, we can't do this anymore. It's not going, it's it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Nope. It is not. And I mean, because, okay, I get it. America is a capitalist country. It's been a capitalist country ever since slavery. The capital in slavery were slaves. They used that capital to build the wealth of America to make it the superpower that it is. But you're also building it on people who are poor. So after slavery, what did the slaves get? Nothing. They got freedom and famine. They didn't have land. They didn't have wealth to fall back on. They didn't have 40 acres or a field of Exactly. So that system I get it you have you have to make money but there's an old saying in order to make money you gotta spend money if you uplift the the poor and the middle class and you get them to a certain place to where they have enough money left over do you realize how much money is being spent in America at that time which increases America's wealth because people can go out and buy a house people can go out and buy a car people can take vacations to different cities now that's bringing in money and helping the economics of certain cities but when you have a certain that can do that and then you have those that can't do that how is that helping anybody you know what I'm saying so 
but that's what Andrew Yang is trying to do with it. Andrew Yang <laughs> is a one-trick pony. He has one policy, one policy <laughs> it's idea. A good one. I get it. It's a what, good one. What's his policy? What's his foreign policy? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> What's his policy on healthcare? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> the only thing Andrew Yang has is the fact that he's going to give families $1,000 a month. Mm-hmm. That's all he has. He and has nothing else outside of that. But you know what, though? I would much rather, because this is it. He's tested this out among several Americans so for the last several Outside of that, yes, the Republicans stopped him a lot of times. But I would like more than just one policy, though. I, I understand that. Like, I, 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 what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, okay, have don't come out with like fifty thousand policies for one issue. That's not what I'm saying. So if I'm talking about housing, I have one specific policy for housing. This is what I want passed. If I'm talking about healthcare. I have one specific policy for healthcare. If we're talking education, I have one specific policy for education. Like if you look at them when it comes to education, I think um, Kamala Harris has one. I think she has three, maybe four. She has um, increasing teacher pay. professions making more money than other professions. 
you have people that are working in warehouses that are making more money than yeah. teachers. Yeah. When history shows the educator was the more the most important person in a, in a community, in a civilization. Whether it was in Egypt, whether it was in Greece, whether it was in Rome, if you were an educator, you were considered top notch. You were up there with whoever the ruler was because you, you're molding the next crop for the next uh, generation. But you take advantage of teachers don't pay them anything but then pay these students who go on going to professions like being a doctor, being an attorney, being a welder or whatever and they can go off and make 70, 80, 90, $100,000 a year but you still got little old Miss Johnson over here who's been teaching for 25 years and barely making $45,000. Exactly. And a lot of the Asian countries, they they do hold teachers and educators up to a much higher standard than us. So it's not just, it's not a, a worldwide thing. This is a very Western thing. Yeah. And that's, that. like I said, once again, the system that we're in, it is not sustainable. We're not in Donald Trump's world. We're not winning in education. <laughs> and that's a direct reflection of how you or take care of your employees. Another saying that you hear, like, oh, I'm going to the store, I found this laptop for $100. What's somebody going to tell you if you tell them that you found a laptop for $100? You get what you pay for. And if you're not paying the teachers, you're getting what you're paying for. inner city schools well a lot of times you don't want to teach in an inner city school I wouldn't mind teaching in an inner city school but it's just hey you're not you're paying me $35,000 a year to deal with BS every day I'm fearful for my life these kids are disrespectful I can go find something else better than this if you pay them, if you started a teacher out at fifty-five thousand, that's just coming out of college. Coming out of college, making fifty-five thousand dollars a year at twenty-one. That's pretty darn good. And then by the time you retire, your salary goes from fifty-five thousand every year. You get like a five. me for my service and service if you don't pay a waiter or a waitress a good tip nine times out of ten when you go back you're gonna get crap they're gonna give you terrible service you know so 
And I know I just went on that rant about teachers. All because I was talking about Kamala Harris. But that's only because I'm going to school because I want to be a teacher. But I gotta eat. Informed on what's going on with 
because the presidential season is starting to pick up now. Yeah. The debates are happening. This is the second one. Uh, the next one will be in September, and by that time, the field would have shrinked a lot more uh, because the requirements to get into the debate in September is a lot higher than what the requirements were for the debate. This could be a three-hour conversation. And, so. that, and that's only if one of us has to go and do something. Yeah. <laughs> like, or our phone is dying. Right. <laughs> we need to plug it in. Remember that time? I was like, okay, phone's at 10%. Kept on talking. Okay. Phone's at 3%. Kept on talking. Okay. Phone's at 2% now. I really have to go. But did you hear about this? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's just how... I mean, you're having a conversation, and it's a good conversation with someone, it could last forever. So, um, I would like to thank Marissa for coming by and being on the podcast with me. Again, the name of her podcast is The Queen's Table with Marissa J. Site.com slash King Truth Podcast. Hey! Ooh. Ooh, you got it! You got it! <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, don't forget, subscribe, leave a comment on the episode, let us know what you think, and we will get back to you next time. Peace. Man, I hope y'all enjoyed that episode. I enjoyed it myself. Don't forget, subscribe and comment on the podcast. Let me know if there's anything you want me to cover or just let me know if you enjoy the show. Also, you can find me on Instagram at King Truth Podcast and also on Facebook at King Truth Podcast. And I also have my website that is up. It is kingtruth.com wixsite.com slash king truth podcast that's king truth dot wixsite w-i-x s-i-t-e dot com slash king truth podcast i will catch you next time and i hope y'all have a blessed evening